0: a few little sentences with words in them that's I guess usually what's in a sentence that I found out so that imparting knowledge upon us.
1: this is barely forecasting featuring tabin and injured nerves audio production hi tabin hi barely how are you doing today I'm doing okay. So, you know, as we record this, we record ahead of time. So as we're recording this, the entire West Coast of the United States is on fire. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about, or last week, we talked about California being on fire and to help out furs when you can, but now... We're just as on fire as they were. So, if you know anybody that uh, needs some help, go ahead and give them a hand as you, best you can, or a paw, as it were, or a paw. Yes, exactly. And now, Tabin and I are going to help you through some of these dark times with some fun and fur-related things. How's that sound, everybody? Ooh, yay fur fluff! So, let's see. You told me earlier that you have a quick sciency thing you want to talk about.
0: Yes, actually, I have two quick sciency facts that I found out, and I thought I'd share with us all. Did you know? That bamboo is actually a grass. I did. I don't know if I heard that somewhere or not, but I rediscovered this um, the other day. Mm-hmm. Bamboos are a group of woody perennial evergreen plants in the true grass family poesia. I am pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure, but I think it's pronounced poesia or p- poesia or something. Okay. And in case we want to know what that is that I can't pronounce... Poaceae, or uh, Graminae, is a large and nearly ubiquitous family of monocotyledonous flowering plants known as grasses. Wow. So there you go. I, that
1: was a big <laughs> word. That was a very big word, yes. I mispronounced <laughs> that one too. I think the word you were looking for was ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. That word, say
0: it again. I can't do that. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. That is the word I can do. I can't do the monocotylidonos word. No, you can't. Um, So I have another um, little interesting sciencey thing. Okay. Barely, do you know which is heavier, water or butane?
1: Uh, I'm going to say water.
0: That is correct. And the reason why is because butane is a lighter fluid.
1: Oh, oh, oh! You see what I just did there. Oh, there you go. Alrighty <laughs> then. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm helping. I'm a helping pup.
1: <laughs> going to start the, f- right out right out the gate, you're going to start this. Okay. Well, you know. I also understand that you have a new song beginning. What is this new, is this the one you referred to last week?
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah, I wasn't sure if I would do it, and I actually didn't have, to- I wanted to finish it by this week, but I didn't. It's just been kind of a crazy week, I guess. But I did get the beginnings. I guess I can
1: sing that for you if you would like me to. Sure, let's give it a shot, shall we?
0: Okay. So, yeah, so so this is, um, and I got it wrong. Last week, I referred to it as um, a Cindy Lauper. It's not, it's Madonna. It's how how silly. Oh, you? okay. Um, so Madonna. Silly pup. And so I called this song Mafurial Fur. Wait a minute. You call it what? I call it Mafurial Fur. Okay. You'll see why in a minute. Okay. Here, here we go.
1: Here we go. Ooh, and, 80s music.
0: Yeah. We've got this nifty... 80s intro going on, yeah. Ooh, 80s. This isn't part of my song. This is this kind of part of the, uh, you know, the intro? The intro. Yeah. It brings you back though, doesn't it? It does. It really does. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you. Some furs pat me, some furs hug me. I think that's okay. If they give me proper wags, then I won't fluff away. Doggies beg and kitties knee they all chase the pointed light. They run around and they all paw at the light, it seems so right. And we are living in a furry old world, and I am a furry old fur. Oh, yeah, you know, we're living in a, a furry old world, and I am
1: a, a furry old pup. Ooh, musical interlude. Wow. You are the weird Al Yankovic of the furry world. <laughs>
0: Something like that. Anyway, yeah. So that's um, and so that's uh, you know, just first, first, and chorus. And I think I'll work a little bit more on it this week and the next week. Maybe I'll have um, a full song for you. We'll we'll see.
1: Wow, a full song! I'm all a Twitter.
0: You're all a Twitter. And, and your tweets and stuff. You, of course,
1: recognize this the original song, then, I Oh, yes. You are a material girl. For any fur that missed it, I, yes. I'm a mafurial fur. <laughs> mafurial fur. Sounds like a disease you get when you have to take your dog to the pet. The pet. Yeah, no. <laughs> it does. The it pet does. vet. The pet vet. He's got mafurial fur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, let's definitely. not no, let's not catch him a furial fur. It'd be very bad. Hmm. So I wonder what else we should talk about. What else should we talk about, Tabin? Oh,
0: I know. Um I wanted to ask you about you said at one point that you had lunch with Dick Van Dyke.
1: I did. <laughs> so the so to give our listeners a bit of a backstory on our bfft chat so if you get on the bfft chat you'll be privy to all this information we were talking about celebrities and who people have met as celebrities and what they who they knew and so on and i mentioned that i had had lunch with several celebrities not at the same time of course but one of which was dick van dyke it was when i was a senior in high school oh wow Yes, going back to the 80s, uh, Buddy and I, we were doing, we got permission to do a video and audio presentation for our term paper. The term paper we, we picked was on and this is going to sound really weird, was on human experimentation. Okay. I went to school out in Staten. So we knew that there was a prison in Salem and that there was lots of articles out there in the world about experimenting on prisoners. So (laughs) connecting the dots, we talked to the district attorney for Marion County, who at that time was Chris Van Dyke, the son of Dick Van Dyke.
0: Really? Yes. That's crazy right there.
1: Right. Yes. We had a lunch meeting with him and we show up at his office going to lunch. And he says, do you mind if my dad joins us for lunch? I hadn't put two and two together at that point. (laughs) And I'm like, well, sure. He's, I guess he's, you know, is he going to bother with us asking all these weird questions? (laughs) And he says, oh no, he's, he's pretty cool. He's in the entertainment business. And I was like, (laughs)
0: that's awesome.
1: It's like, it's like, wait a minute. And so we go to lunch at a little place in Salem called Dairy Lunch. Sounds good to me. So we go to Dairy Lunch and in walks Dick Van Dyke. And of course, everybody's looking at him. It's like, you can see the whispers. Is that Dick Van Dyke? Is that is that Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> but of course, nobody ever came up and asked, are you Dick Van Dyke? No, they're just um, talking behind his back about him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so we had a nice lunch and we talked, my buddy and I talked to Chris Van Dyke about all the human experimentation that we found out did not happen at the Oregon State Penitentiary. Okay, good. (laughs) But we had lunch with Dick Van Dyke. And when it was all said and done, he shook our hands, said it was nice to meet you. And off he went. That was one of my famous people that I had lunch with.
0: Well, that's exciting.
1: And maybe next week, I'll tell you about my lunch with uh, Kevin Costner.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) You've just been all around.
1: No, they just find me.
0: They just find you. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So uh, for all our listeners, because we have about 10 now, stay tuned next time. We'll hear about Barely's Lunch with Kevin Costner.
1: <laughs> so let's move along to books, TVs, or movies. So the last couple of weeks, I watched a lot of things. Uh, I finished the second season of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. I watched the second episode of Warrior Nun. It's, um, it's still violent, Okay, still violent. I watched the last season and finished the last season of the order.
0: Oh okay. did that end interesting how how that go? I haven't finished it or anything, so I don't know,
1: but it's very much worth watching. It ends unwell. Things do not go well.
0: Is it the series finale or just the season that you finished?
1: It's the last season that they produced. I oh. don't know if they're gonna produce another one, but it wrapped up everything nicely. If it doesn't go on, fine. If it does, they have a jumping off point.
0: stuff to do. okay. Okay, good to know. I'll keep watching them.
1: I also started watching the new Star Trek cartoon called hmm. Lower Decks on I haven't CBS heard that. All Access. It's about underlings on the starships, you know, no. the, the one pippers, the one the people that have one pip, you know, in all of their <laughs> lives. Um, is, is that like pippy long stockings, but much shorter? Much, much shorter, much shorter, yes. Just a pip. Um, if we put a pip on you, you'd be a pup with a pip. I <laughs> would. Recently, just the other day... The new season of The Boys on Amazon Prime came out. The Boys Hunt. And that's a superhero show. And I thought Warrior Nun was violent. This makes Warrior Nun look like... Saturday morning cartoons.
0: So the boys are violent, apparently.
1: Oh, very. I also watched the first two episodes of BNA, Brand New Animal.
0: How's it so far?
1: So far, it's good. There's a couple of spoilers on Telegram, so I know that there's some bad things coming, so I have to prep myself for that. That's just the way it goes. And then, of course, the last thing I watched this week was a movie on HBO called Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. That was an interesting movie. Hmm. Harley Quinn was allegedly, and some storylines in the DC universe, the girlfriend of the Joker. It kind of branched off when they broke up.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's what that is. Okay, got it. You have had uh, quite a busy last few weeks. Mine hasn't been as Some still, you know, trucking through F is for family. And I started um, the second season of Arrested Development. So yeah, I know. I know most people in the universe have like, seen it all i'm only on season two <laughs> yes
1: i love that show
0: it's a little bit ridiculous of a show but it's kind it's entertaining so
1: well you know what time it is it is time for five minutes furs for fun five so post link
0: furs for fun link is
1: up let's see if anybody pops in our guest uh after five minute furs for fun is going to be easy wolf ah yes yeah, He he's so much fun to talk to By this time everybody knows we pre-record everything so Uh, It was great to talk to him, and it'll be nice for everybody else to hear the conversation that we had with him. Yeah. And he's from the Netherlands.
0: I learned, anyway, something about the Netherlands. We'll let him explain. Ten minutes later. Well, no one joined us. That's okay. Remember, if any of you furs want to tell us about yourself and everything and tell us how exciting things are for you, we'd love to hear it. So uh, join us for
1: Five Minute Furs for fun. But you know what I have? What do you have? Have you heard of Mad Libs before?
0: I love Mad Libs. Yes. Oh, are we going to do Pup Libs?
1: We're going to do a Pup Lib. Yes. I'm so excited. first thing you have to give me is a plural noun fluffs an adjective red a animal pup an adjective colorful another adjective
0: Scrumdiddlyumptious.
1: i don't know how to spell that <laughs> another adjective pluffer denial Okay. it's a real word i'm sure of it plural animals okay let's do cheetahs okay another adjective marsupialistic wow (laughs) we're starting off great right a food applesauce a liquid grape soda another adjective fabulous another plural animals red striped giraffes okay a plural noun doohickeys another plural noun cacti That's the plural of cactus for any fur that didn't know. And uh, one more plural noun, and that'll be the last one. Zenzifiers. All right. This is Popular Pets. Okay. So many fluffs make red pets. (laughs) Many families prefer a furry pup or a colorful to cuddle. Some (laughs) people... Yes, that's true. Some people enjoy having a scrumptulicious for a pet, <laughs> Sorry, and still others prefer plufferdentials cheetahs.
0: <laughs> Rightly so, they should.
1: That's right, and most pets need marsupialistic care, like applesauce and grape soda.
0: <laughs> Definitely, I, I'm so I'm so with you on this
1: one. Yes, they need exercise and a fabulous place to sleep. Fabulous place to sleep. Yes, right. Some pets, like the red-striped giraffes, live in doohickeys or cacti. Oh. I didn't know that. I
0: did not know that either.
1: Yeah. But most everyone can agree that Zenzifiers are fun for everyone. They are totally fun for everyone. And there you go. And there we go. There was a Mad Libs about pets. That was wonderful. I liked it. (laughs) All right, so let's uh, jump into our interview with Easy Wolf. What do you say?
0: I say I wag, and I can't wait to talk to Easy Wolf.
1: We are speaking today with Easy Wolf in Holland.
2: Hey, hello. hello, Hi, hello. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm excited to uh, to join you guys today.
0: I am excited to have you with us today.
2: Well, puppies are always excited, aren't they?
0: Bark, bark, I wag right now.
1: Yeah.
2: G-wags. Wagging, <laughs> wagging.
1: All right. Well, Tabin, uh, do you have some questions that you'd like to ask him?
0: I do. I have a bunch. Easy Wolf, would you like to respond to some questions from this pup?
2: Yes, of course. I'd love to.
0: Well, that's amazing. I'd love you to, too. So as Barely just kind of said, but uh, where are you from? Is it It's the Netherlands?
2: Yes, I am from the Netherlands. Some people confuse it with Holland. It is basically the same, but uh, Holland is a part of the Netherlands. I am from the Netherlands, and I speak not Netherlandish, but I speak Dutch, which is not Dutch because that's German. Never oh, mind. <laughs> no, okay, I, it,
0: it's little uh, little nuances. Um, so, is Holland like a suburb sub thing of? of the Netherlands or I don't I'm not good with geography.
2: <laughs> no, I will keep it phrase short. Uh the Netherlands uh, consists out of seven provinces. Out of two are out of which two are called Holland, North Holland and South Holland, and the rest has various names, but altogether it's called the Netherlands. When you refer to Holland, you are technically only referring to two provinces in the Netherlands. But most people think it's Holland because it sounds uh, better, easier than the Netherlands.
0: It's a lot more syllables to say the Netherlands. Yeah. So how did you become Easy Wolf and how long have you been such?
2: Well, I had to come up with a furry name the moment I decided to become part of the furry fandom. That was about 11 years ago. I always had this fascination for wolves and I just needed a name. And I remember a vaguely a comic book, an, actually an American comic book I saw once. It's from the 70s had a character called Easy Wolf, I write my name E Z Wolf. Ah. It was a weird dude. We lived in a tiny little house somewhere, like a little shack somewhere away from society. I, I kind of found it interesting. I live in a small house as well. I live uh, in a rural area. There's a lot of a lot of nature around me, so I kind of felt a connection to, with this Easy Wolf character. So I decided to choose Easy Wolf as my furry name. Does that make any sense at all?
0: I'm a pup, so you're not surprised to hear that I am also um, a big fan of Wolf, So that's that's amazing and ah. wonderful. So Easy Wolf is your persona, then I assume. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you said you've been in the fandom 11 years. That's that's a wonderfully long time. And have you been a furry just that long, or were you a furry like before that and then finally you found the fandom or how did that go what brought
2: you to these wonderful things <sighs> about 14 years ago 13 years ago i i'm a filmmaker that's uh one of the, my main uh, activities about 14 years ago i wanted to make a, a little art house film uh for which i wanted to have a minotaur appear in that film a, re- a real minotaur. I had my the, the interest for anthropomorphic creatures since I was a kid, and minotaur was something that I learned at school with a Greek mythology, half man, half bull. The film was inspired on a short story that was about a minotaur, and I really wanted to make a film out of it, and I wanted to have a minotaur appear in the film. Now, I had very little budget, and I started to look into... Companies that could make me a minotaur costume for someone to act in. And it turned out to be ridiculously expensive and so the real monitor never appeared. But I learned that there was something called the furry fandom, which consisted, as far as I understood by then, out of people who wore animal costumes just for fun. And I thought it was outrageous. I mean, why would you do this for fun? I mean if you <laughs> if you if you get paid for it, I can understand. If you if someone pays you to be a mascot at an event or something, or uh, make advertisement for a pet store. Then I can totally understand. But for fun, that was outrageous. So That's crazy, crazy, um, Who do that? totally, totally ridiculous. But it it kind of stuck in the back of my head because I kept f- looking for these these websites with uh, furry stuff and fur pictures. And oh, and oh, and there was the the artwork, of course, which was also kind of shocking and interesting at the same time. So I kind of started to. <laughs> get interested in it and i don't know uh, at some point i said to myself i need to meet some of those people wearing fursuits it happened to be a fursuit meeting not far from my place i went there and i was like yo those people are so weird but i like them as i like them as well it was interesting that people just do that so i got yeah i kind of got involved in the sense that. I made some friends, we started talking, we started visiting each other, and it turned out to be a happy bunch of people that just were very much into animal-related things, animal costumes, artwork, very creative. It was March 2009 that I signed up for a Dutch um, furry um, platform, and a few weeks later, I had my uh, Fur Affinity account, Twitter, etc. And I still thought, okay, this is a nice bunch of people, I'd like to hang out with them, but wearing a furry costume... Never. That is just Never. too bizarre. Six <laughs> months later I had my first uh partial fursuit. And oh. currently, currently I I own uh I own three of them. I don't fursuit that often to be honest, but uh no, I I I got I got uh, I got compromised in fursuiting in the end, so. that, Well that that's
0: how it starts. <laughs> they're like, this is crazy, this is weird. Oh my cow, that's horrible. And then oh now I've got ten full fursuits. That's great. Yeah, no, that's
2: <laughs> No, not ten, three not ten, oh, three okay
0: oh. um, not quite, not quite. What was your first fur then?
2: Your reference in 2010 Again, this is also something that I could not understand. People go to a hotel by the <laughs> by the hundreds, by the thousands and they go, they come together there and they do nothing except <laughs> hanging around in fur suit uh looking at each other's art, buying stuff in something called the dealer's den, something. and basically having a good time. I mean, uh going to a hotel, I was associated with either work or holidays, exploring things, go out and about, but not just stay in a hotel with a whole bunch of people. So another thing that I really didn't understand until I got to your friends in 2009, sorry, Tem, and then I understood, okay, this is actually pretty awesome. Atmosphere is nice. People are so friendly. There's so much to see and to uh, to explore. So, Yeah. That was my first call. And I've been to furry conventions ever since.
0: So it sounds like you could tell pretty quickly that, oh, look, they're not just fun, but they seem to be um, family and everything. This is crazy yeah. and neat at the same time. Yeah. So before lockdown happened, how many cons did you typically go to per
2: year? There was a bit of a build-up. I started with uh, just your reference, Then uh, I added uh, Confuzzle in the UK to it. There were a few more smaller conventions in the Netherlands that I attended. I went to Antrocon, Further Confusion, the one in Chicago, Midwest, MFF. Then I went to cons in Sweden the Czech Republic wow the worry is that I did uh, seven or eight cons a year but I don't do that anymore that's not just because corona it's just it's also because I don't have the time for it and it's yeah. uh, it's very time- consuming yeah it's also quite tiring and I travel a lot for work as well so the traveling itself is not really a treat for me anymore it's uh, so I don't like flying and planes and stuff that much anymore so
0: and and if you're gonna fly around the world then that kind of puts a damper on things <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's that's cool.
0: You've been to many cool places. Yeah. Oh, Australia as well. Sorry, I forgot about that. Oh, wow. So that's literally, you've been all around the world.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Kind of, yeah.
0: So the easy cool down system, that was your invention. Am I
2: correct? I wouldn't say it was my invention. Easy Cool Down vest. I got inspired by seeing a few things. Cooling vests for Soldiers. I spotted on a CNN program. There were sports vests using PCM cooling. I knew these vests exist, but somehow they, they didn't really seem to work for fursuits because they were too big, too bulky. The PCM packs were on the wrong place, so they made you look very, very fat. So I looked at an existing system and designed a different vest for it. And that was initially only like a wild idea. Let's see if this works. And during uh, Euroference, I brought like 10 vests and asked people to try them. They were just ugly looking demo vests, prototype vests. And people wanted to buy them instantly. And I said, no, 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 this is just for for trying. They'll, they'll get much better. I don't give a shit. I want to buy one. Well, okay. So <laughs> that told me that there was a... A huge demand for these vests and well being a first to myself, I know that it can get very, very warm. I've suffered situations where i got very close to a heat stroke that's not good yeah no that's not good so it started very small i started selling them literally from a kitchen cupboard i had like one or two orders a week or a month and then i needed a closet for it then i moved my cooling vest business to a shack 30 feet from my house and now we have a real little small office with a with a mini warehouse (laughs) and we we ship we ship lots of vests all over the world so it started small but it grew way way beyond i could ever expect Wow!
0: Yeah, I, I bet. So you said the prototypes were at Euroference. I remember, so there was a video, like a promotion video for them I've seen. And was that where that was? Was that the prototype thing or was that a later video that you made?
2: If it's the one where we were interviewing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was actually shot during the first convention where people tried the vest for the very first time. Yes.
0: Oh, wow. That's pretty cool, because I remember everyone seemed to be like just overjoyed. So that's pretty cool that that was the first reaction.
2: Yeah. We just asked, hey, did you like the vest? Would you uh, say something about it for, in front of a camera? We're not going to pay you. You're, you're not going to get a, a vest for free. And they said, yeah, sure. Just and we had a camera and they started uh, talking about it so that for me was also an an eye-opener because that was actually the people trying the vest and the interviews it happened all in a matter of three days so we got so much positive feedback during the interview and during off-camera talks with people so i had to do something with this idea from that moment i realized okay this is something interesting and also something good something i should look into a bit further not only for profit i mean let's be honest this is for first, first it's 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 a part of our income now for me and my partner. But it's also something that you see happy first shooters. You see when we are at free conventions, there's so many people who say, "Oh, I'm wearing a cooling vest. Feel how cool I am." Thank you, easy. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not very good in dealing with all this attention uh, all the time. But it makes you happy that people like to use a product that you introduce into this community. That gives you a very good feeling. So do you
1: sell them at the cons? I have never seen a dealer's den with the cooling system added. No. At the beginning,
2: we had tables in dealer's den at uh, Entrocon, and at MFF, and that was easy for us because the, the PCM packs, the cooling packs inside the vest were made in the US. So we had the heaviest part of the vest shipped to a con location and the vest we shipped from the Netherlands. So we were, easy to, uh, we were able to sell them at US conventions. And we also needed to do that because at the beginning, most people didn't really know what a cooling vest was. They wanted to have a look at it first, ask questions, maybe even try one. Currently, we're making the PCM packs in the Netherlands. And... Shipping PCM packs to a US con is ridiculously expensive. Not only the shipping, but also we have to pay custom duties. So we stopped selling vests at US conventions. Not because we don't want to, but it's too expensive. Uh, when people order vests online from us, the shipping is for free, and if you order it, uh, if you have it shipped to the US, there's no custom fees. So in the end, it, it's easier and cheaper for people just to order it from our online store. They'll have it in three days than us bringing a whole shiploads of stuff to the us and plus most people by now have e- have either seen a cooling vest or know a friend who who is using one so we don't have to go to the us to tell people what a cooling vest is anymore we still sell them at conventions in, in europe because that's easy for us berlin or birmingham it's only a matter of six hours by car so unfortunately no longer in the us which i regret but because i always loved it but it's Bit
0: No, it's definitely. So, for the few furs out there that don't know about these, could you tell us? So, where are they available? What's your website?
2: It's easycooldown.com and it's ezcooldown.com. There, you'll find very quickly the vest you're looking for because we have a special selection with cooling vests only for fursuiters and cosplayers.
0: And you've got a fursuiter on the main webpage there, too,
2: in fact. Yeah, actually, those are me and my my husband. Oh, really? Yes.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess that makes sense because, well, you're doing it, so it should be you.
2: Yeah, it was also a bit easier. Yeah. Now, Malamut used to be a software engineer like four years ago, five years ago. He joined me in my business, which is now our business, which is selling cooling vests and doing film productions. Cool.
0: Yeah. And I just happened to see yesterday or the day before yesterday, the video where you show how strong it is. Like you put it in a vice grip and a truck runs over it and it doesn't break. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And just even the liquid, like how does it even do that? There are so many. I don't understand. It's science. It's science.
2: I'll try to explain it very quickly because the technology behind it can be pretty overwhelming and complex. What's in the packs is not water because some people think they're ice packs, but in the packs is organic phase change material. It's a mixture of natural oils and phase change material is capable of rapidly cooling down and very, very slowly warm up. So it's it's almost like it's capable of storing coolness and very slowly releasing it. So... The packs that we have cool you at uh, either 59 degrees Fahrenheit or 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Depends on the on, on what's, what kind of pack you buy. So it's not ice because ice would be too cold. It would not be safe. And ice warms up very quickly and becomes water.
0: That's very nice of you to give us those in Fahrenheit.
2: Yeah, well, again, again until COVID started, we sold, I think, 90% of our vests to uh, US customers. And I think most of them are furries or cosplayers.
0: So you you got used to the whole U.S. metric system and Fahrenheit and stuff.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yes.
0: So changing gears slightly to your videos and videography, Yeah, I'm a big fan of all your work.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: I think I've seen everything. Yeah, no, it's really great. You know, you've got the Fox & More stuff, Come come Find Me, Dreamcatcher, Radioactive you did, Bitter Lake, even Gangnam Style, so (laughs) I'm not a fan of this song, but... The the video is is (laughs) possum, and uh, yeah, you have really great stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, and and so, in fact, the first thing I saw from you was Come Find Me, Fox & More's Come Find Me, which happened to be the first Fox & More song I ever I ever saw. So when we talked to Fox recently, um, we talked about that. So there's really great overlap here, and I love that song. I love the video. I tear up every time I see it. I shouldn't admit that, but I do because I'm sense a pup. But uh, (laughs) so, how big of a project was that, and how long did it take?
2: I think we shot it in three or four days in total. Uh, We had Fox come over to the Netherlands from Scotland, and we had some help from uh, from friends. There was a lot of preparation involved. There is a making of film of Come find Me. You probably have seen it. It starts with gutting a piano because otherwise it would be way too heavy to transport it into the forest. Right. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So you need a piano, you need your locations. For some locations, you need permits, you need power, you need generators. So there's work involved. But it was a super nice project to work on with Fox. And the goal, of course, was to start his very first Kickstarter campaign or Indiegogo campaign to get Fox to Abbey Road Studios in London to record his, his album there and we thought this video might help and if i remember correctly he had the amount that he needed for that album in a few hours on indiegogo <laughs> and then it kept going and so he he was able to record there including an, an orchestra and all kinds of things so it was amazing i mean it's brilliant if you can work with a talented person like fox and you make something together and the outcome is much much more and better than you than you dare to expect so that's that is that's magic that's fantastic
0: Oh yeah, I bet. So what was it like, work? well, you kind of just mentioned this, but really what was it like working with Fox? Had you known him before? And was it a really nice relationship and to work and bounce ideas against each other throughout the project?
2: Yeah. Well, Fox and I started working together with Bitter Lake because he he made uh, the scores for Bitter Lake as well. So we kind of knew each other from Bitter Lake. And ah, working with Fox is just fun. He is a a great character. He has a good sense of humor. And he is easy to work with in a sense of, he said, uh, he told me, yo, I need a video, come up with an idea and I will make it. So I had total freedom in coming up with a script, a scenario. So I just wrote the, the, the script just by listening to, the, to that particular song over and over again. And suddenly the story kind of started to build in my head. and I, I wrote it down and sent it to him and he said, that's perfect. Yeah, we, I love it. We, let's go for it. So I got carte blanche with him. It gives you the creative space you need. And that is very important in the process uh, like making a music video.
0: Yeah. I mean, that really helps for collaboration and communication and that, that freedom yeah. space. We interviewed Kyle Gold and Rukas relatively recently, and they both said the same things. Of course, they're authors and artists, but they said the same thing about because they've worked together. Rukas did the artwork and Kyle did the story, but they both said how it was great to work together and have that creative freedom between each other and bounce ideas back and forth, and that just made the process just even more fun for them. So I imagine it's the same type of thing here for you and Fox.
2: Yeah you 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 need to you need each other's skills and creativity, and if you don't interfere with each other's skills and and creativity, you can make magic happen, really.
0: And he did, definitely did. How did all this compare with the making of The Dreamcatcher? So, of course, that was the next big project, well, the album, of course, of Foxes. So now you've had a better relationship with Fox and some of the other people that worked on Come Find Me. So I imagine some things might have been simpler and smoother, but it was a different project. So I imagine some things were a little bit more complicated. So how did The Dreamcatcher compare to Come Find Me?
2: Well, that was the origin of Dreamcatcher Sorry, the script of Dreamcatcher kind of grew the same way as with Find Me. A lot of listening and then suddenly you come up with a story in your head and we had Kaki Dogi uh, as well as a writer for it. He wrote the the introduction text. So it, it is a whole bunch of people uh, who are working on it also behind the, the scenes. The Dreamcatcher was a little bit more difficult because we shot most of it in Scotland, but also uh, all the wolf scenes were recorded in California in the US.
0: Oh really? I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I said, I want wolves in this video, if we can. And I have a, an Alaskan Malamute myself, and she appears at the final shot. The last wolf is not really a wolf. It's an Alaskan Malamute. Oh, okay. <laughs> because that final shot was recorded in Scotland, and in Scotland, you can't just have a wolf appear in in the US. In the US, anything is possible. If you need a wolf for a v- film shoot, you just go to, uh, I don't know, <laughs> wolvesforfilmshoots.com <and you laughs> or something like that. I don't, I don't recall the, the exact... Uh, but we found uh, in of course California in Los Angeles area can find anything you need for a film including trained wolves for film shoots so yeah uh, we spent half a day with two different people with wolves a so half a day and another half day and the trained wolves were like perfect there's also a making of of that video where you can see how the wolves behave they behave like giant big puppy dogs they're they're fantastic they're so cool so adorable yeah
0: so the wolves were trained so that's great and so did it not take because i would think the wolf you know you had to have licked fox's face and like do that stuff and be calm and everything since they were trained did it not actually take too long and too many takes to get the the wolf to do what you wanted
2: no the nice thing is if you have professional animal uh, handlers professional trainers you just tell them okay this is what we want to do you know your locations you know I need that wolf to walk from here to there I need him to run or to walk slowly I need him to follow fox I need him to lick his face or his lick it doesn't always go instantly like automatic but it's with some gentle motivation and treats it just works and all the scenes where fox is interacting with that big white wolf were shot in the morning and the wolves were on long leads of course, it, it was not allowed to have them because it was in a, a park somewhere, a, a nature park. And it was not allowed to have the dogs off the lead. So we had to remove all the cables, all the lines later in post. Many thanks to Oathcake. She is a wonderful friend of mine in Scotland who helped with all the, removing all the lines, all the cables, spent days on it, I think. But it worked.
0: <laughs> I sure haven't seen a leash or a cable or anything. So, I mean, it turned out so beautifully. And that's a beautiful big wolf there. Yeah. just like your Malam me beautiful meow to me too, now that i know yeah <laughs> so yes bitter lake tell us a little bit about that i actually own the dvd which i don't think you can get anymore so no and on the black fur market i don't know but i have it i i did not get it on the black fur market <laughs> just as a disclaimer so i've seen it i love the story it's great i think the cinematography is great so for the furs out there that don't know about bitter lake could you tell us what the story is about
2: It's a weird story. It's difficult to tell something about the story without giving away too much. But let me tell you this, it's not ending well for most of the people in the film.
0: It is a true statement. We won't tell our listeners out there what that means. You can probably guess, but...
2: Yeah, there is one thing I had to add to it, because a storyline basically is a king died, his country is divided in four provinces, and all the four provinces make a claim for the throne. And that will create a little bit of, let's say, friction between the various people. And then shit gets out of hand very, very quickly. But you have to watch all the way through the end credits because after the end credits, there is something apparently a lot of people haven't seen.
0: I wonder if I've seen that. Now I'm going to have to go and look. I don't know. I might have seen it. Hmm. (laughs) Now I'm making a note. Go see that. I'm excited. I'm excited. So did you write it, or were you involved in the writing of it, or how did that go?
2: No. Again, this is where you separate what are you good at and what not. I can do screenwriting, but I can't come up with a story for a scenario or screenwriting. So with this film, I worked together uh, with Shay Dutch for a good friend of mine, and Bitter Lake, the, the origin of Bitter Lake, lies in a live stage performance we did at Euroference, like furry theater we did. We we did a 40-minute stage show loosely inspired by Indiana Jones, including giant rolling rocks over the stage. I think there's a fragment of that show somewhere on my YouTube channel, if you want to see it. Anyway, it didn't work that well because technology failed, guns didn't went off when they were supposed to, and a lot of things went wrong, but the crowd was got nuts i still remember chita who was the cons chairman he got up stage and he got on his knees and bowed for (laughs) us and i was like dude get up get up it was horrible it was bad and the crowd went completely nuts so we realized okay this maybe wasn't that bad at all and uh, the response we got days weeks after made us think okay we need to do something like this again but we don't want to rely on live stage technology that can horribly go wrong we want to do it differently we Let's make a film. So uh, I have some filmmaking skills. I own all my equipment myself, which is also a bit convenient, so you don't have to rent anything. And, and I had this amazing location in France. So we had a lot of things that we could use for free. And we needed people who could act or at least had a realistic looking fursuit because we made a decision we want to work with realistic fursuits. Luckily there's a whole community of clockwork fursuiters in the Netherlands. So we gathered all these people and we presented them with a plan. Are you willing to sacrifice one week of your time with us? And go to france shoot a film and see if this works as an experiment because we were not expecting that much it was more like an experiment like uh, see how far we can make this work and how will people respond to it so one week in france then another day in a museum here in the netherlands and some forest shots and and the editing i think the entire film of bitter lake was made in two weeks
0: wow okay so it's a big project
2: yeah, that, that was pretty big. I had to cancel some other projects. And it wasn't very easy to get it all organized, but everything worked with us. The weather worked with us. People were available. All the locations we wanted, we could get. We could get clothing, swords. Normally, you, you don't have that much luck with a film. <laughs> so the furry gods were, uh, were smiling upon us. That's what I always like to think. And we presented uh, Bitter Lake at uh, Eurofurns, August 2011. And yeah, the rest is history.
0: Yeah, I mean, it turned out great, I think. Yeah. yeah.
2: And also, I cannot say enough that how important... Fox music for that film was. Without Fox music, the film wouldn't have the impact it had and it worked so well. I mean, we divided the film in scenes and one scene was edited. I sent it to Fox and one or two days later, it came back with a score and every time I heard the score, I was like oh my god, this is impossible, this is amazing. I never asked as far as I remember, Fox, if I'm wrong, just let me know, as far as I remember, we didn't have any single correction or Mm -hmm. desire to change on the scores. They were all Spot on perfect. So that worked like a charm. Yeah and on the other hand I also think that I like to believe that Fox music in Bitter Lake also kind of kickstarted his career in the furry fandom as a composer and a musician because from that moment on he also got more and more attention from convention for making music for pulpit shows lots of things happened so it worked out very good for everyone involved
0: yeah he was actually saying that too that all that started out well the Bitter Lake and then between Bitter Lake and Come Find Me you know those things really helped well as you say for everyone really really take off and there as you say there rest is history yeah except for i have to ask is there a story behind room 366
2: room what which room
0: 366 oh
2: yeah well yes there's okay there's a story behind room 366 of course um i really believe that most people have no clue what room 366 actually is <laughs> They only think there's a whole bunch of first doing interesting things in a bedroom <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let me explain. What is Room 366? Okay, in 2010 at Confuzzled in the UK, there was a bunch of furries that had a little room party and nothing really weird happened there. It was just... We were drinking apple juice and we decided to, let's make some nice pictures with furries in a bedroom and having some fun with each other. Not very extreme. We used some nice lighting, so it looked pretty nice. And the pictures were sent to everyone involved and that's it. So the year after, during uh, Euroference, which by the way was the same Euroference where Bitter Lake was presented, the people who organized that photo shoot and myself, we decided, shall we see if we can do something similar, but not taking pictures, but make a little video? Yeah, yeah, sure, let's Let's, let's do that. So instead of a small room, we had a like a big suite. So I had more space, also more space for lights and then a little dance floor. Uh, so basically it was a whole bunch of furries dancing and cuddling in the bedroom. So that video was only supposed to be only shared amongst the people involved. So what I did, I created a private video on YouTube and I sent the links to everyone involved and said, this is for you, you're, you're there, don't share it. That's where something... Been terribly wrong because one person said oh that's a nice link i wasn't that experienced with first as i am currently so that was my bad but someone posted the link i think it was on fa after a few hours he realized oh i made a mistake because the comments on that video kind of exploded Um, (laughs) the thing is you have to realize 10 years ago there still is this video room 366 basically the video is still out there it's not on my channel i don't have it available on youtube Uh, there's a few other people who reposted it and if you've never seen it Just go to YouTube, Room366. What you'll see is actually not not that shocking at all. It's maybe a little bit suggestive, but nothing really bad happens. But nine years ago, this was not done. A lot of people were extremely upset because of this. And there were threats, there there was noise, there were screaming and shouting. There was also a whole bunch of people who said, ah, this is actually quite okay. This is actually what Free Fandom is kind of like. So I removed the video. Uh, Other people kept re-uploading it and I kind of stopped trying to get, get the video removed because it's impossible. Once it's in the wild, it's hard to bring it back. Exactly. Now, room 366 as a name refers to the number of the first room where we did the video shoot the year before. And after the video got out and it was quiet for a little while, I decided I still don't think there's anything wrong with this video. So even better, I'm going to make more videos with this Room 366 theme. A little bit more innocent, more suggestive maybe. Uh, the film Lost is one is still, I think, is kind of somehow connected to Room 366. It tells you what happens when you get lost and start wandering around in abandoned buildings and what, what can happen to young furs ending up in a room with dancing people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Then there's others. There's Love Today. There's um, the Christmas special. Yeah.
2: At some point, I think Love Today was the last video I made under the Room 366 label if you can call it a label at all. It's because at some point I thought, yeah, enough is enough.
0: (laughs) I didn't realize how much of a saga that actually was and is.
2: (laughs) If you really want to know what happened and how how people respond, I made a journal because when it happened, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know what to do. I really panicked. I freaked out. Only thing I could do is remove the video from my uh, YouTube channel. I got so many people calling me and texting me emails, uh, FA notes. I didn't know what to do. So I had some help from someone who had a little bit more experience in the furry venom and how the furry fandom works and he helped me writing a text explaining what happened, and also taking responsibility but not uh, admitting that i did something wrong that journal is on my fa account somewhere and the journal itself is not that interesting it just explains what happened but the response under it because there's always bunch of people who either disagree with me or totally agree and feel that furry should be able to do whatever they want and it should be on video and youtube whatever other people say no 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 you should keep this covered because if the media finds out well the media already knows so again Nowadays, what I see now, the kind of videos and pictures I see of what fursuiters do, compared to what we made nine years ago, today, everything <laughs> is possible. And, and what I made then is, is, is considered to be extremely tame nowadays.
1: That's very, very true. Yes.
0: Oh. <laughs> so, I feel I must move on okay. then. You're it's
2: right. For- <laughs>
0: This is getting um, a little too exciting for, for this pup. No, that, that's really cool and interesting, the whole saga. I didn't realize that was a big, huge story like that. So do you have any current or upcoming projects that we should be looking for?
2: Well, you may have noticed that I don't do that many videos anymore at the moment, which I regret. It's basically because, well, real life happens. It's busy. I have a lot of stuff to do, responsibilities, yada, yada, yada. So I am kind of hoping that I can do another big furry related video project soon. Uh, next year, it will be 10 years a bit late got released and. Room 366 leaked out. That might be a a good opportunity to do something new. There's still some stuff I'm working on, believe it or not, for Fox that is related to the um, Dreamcatcher album that is... Still in the making for like three years now. I hope to release that at some point. But it's getting a bit quieter on the filmmaking front. But I'm very happy to see that a lot of other people are making amazing furry videos. I felt like I was ex- expecting that people pick up a fursuit video making a bit earlier. I was surprised that it took so long before people really started. Because it's not that difficult to make a fursuit video. Cameras are cheap. Stabilizers, all kinds of gear you can buy for almost nothing. Or you can rent it very cheaply. So good I see a lot of people doing awesome stuff.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, we have plans to do a little mini sort of music video if we ever get to a con again. We were, we were going to at the last con we were at, but it didn't work out. But so, yeah, we have plans. We'll, we'll see. So you kind of mentioned before you travel a lot for your work. What do you do for a living? And does it relate to videography?
2: Yeah, I used to be a commercial photographer, so still photography for commercial purposes. And I kind of moved to filmmaking video 15 years ago. So until four or five years ago, I was a full-time filmmaker. Five years ago, I had easy cool down, sneaking in as a side (laughs) business, which grew a bit bigger than just a side business. But no, I still work as a filmmaker. I do documentaries, but also a lot of corporate work. And for some reason, I never really looked for it, but I do a lot of work for animal-related companies so companies that are in the animal feed or animal health so for those companies i'm lucky enough to travel a lot i did documentaries about animal health and welfare in the us all over europe Uh, we did commercials in south africa next to that i do documentaries about sometimes social documentaries sometimes documentaries about fair trade and farmers who are in cocoa production i have been in ghana india i'll be heading to Tanzania at the end of this month, if it's possible. That's also why I like conventions, but it's traveling towards conventions that is not (laughs) my favorite part of it.
0: Yeah, like you said, you're really literally already traveling all over the world.
2: (laughs) Yeah, at at the moment, it's much, much quieter. Again, I've done a documentary in Spain earlier this year, and for the rest, it's quiet this year. I do some work for local companies, but not much traveling anymore.
0: Yeah, So that's really interesting. I I really like that you just happened to it's it's animal semi in a way furry related what you're doing and, and you're helping out and information and all that stuff where can we find out and see more of your both furry and your work documentaries i think that would be very interesting to see what documentaries look like
2: currently i don't have a website where i have a showreel uh, of my commercial work or examples what there is is very old i'm not very proud to show it i am working on a new website Hopefully, that will be out there soonish. But again, I think uh, if people want to see, the people who listen to uh, to uh this podcast most likely are interested in watching furry-related films, uh, then just go to YouTube, Google Easy Wolf, which is EZ Wolf, and there's hours of entertainment <laughs> in all sorts and shapes. If you're interested in fursuit photography, I spent lots of time... And a lot of energy in portrait photography, especially with complex background uh, stuff. Very creative, I think. It's on my FA uh, page. Also, Easy Wolf. And- one word? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, uh, uh, I believe okay. so. Yeah, it's Easy Wolf. One word, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's actually good to know. We've interviewed a few photographers on the podcast, and they might be interested to check that out, too. Uh-huh. Um, Fairly, you know, I couldn't resist doing that. As sort of follow-up to kind of all this, and I apologize, apologize. this wasn't actually in your questions, but it's something I meant to put in. How would you recommend to... Um, or suggest first get into and learn about film, filmmaking and videography if they are interested in, in it. And or if they are already into it, how would you suggest they improve their abilities and do more stuff? Oh, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's difficult to say. Because if you're an absolute beginner, you want to give different advice than to someone who already has some experience. Let me tell you this. Maybe this, this helps. You know, at the moment, the tools you can get your paws on to make awesome footage super stabilized high quality there's so much available this sounds like grandpa easy wolf telling from the past but <laughs> up, up until like five years ago if you want to have a steady shot you need to put dolly tracks on the floor and make rollers and you need like a trailer of, of stuff now you can grab a stabilizer for 60 dollars. The, the quality of the cameras is amazing compared what what professional cameras could do five or ten years ago so the tools to make awesome video are, are out there and they're cheap. There's also a ton of people who will tell you, who will explain to you on YouTube how to make high quality video. So the quality and the equipment is not really the limit. I think it's it's what, what you can come up with in your head. Come up with an original concept. Don't be afraid to work on that concept a bit longer than a day or two. Let it brew, let it ripen and come up with something that hasn't been done yet. If you can, it's difficult because there's... There's so much furry videos out there, and a lot of them are actually really amazing, very original. So if you can come up with something that is that's is original, and don't be afraid to spend some time on it as well. I mean, we, we did videos that took us weeks to work on. To be honest, I, I don't have that time currently anymore, and I can imagine a lot of people don't have that amount of time to make a furry video. But spend time on it. Try to make it as, as nice as you can. You work with others. If you know, as I said earlier, if you know people who have skills, ask them. They'd love to be involved Working with three on a project, you you generate the energy and the quality of six. So involve more people and have fun. Sometimes I'm a bit sad to see that people who make videos or do something that they like, the only way to share it with the community is through Patreon. And again, if whatever you do in the furry community is the only thing that can generate some income, then yeah, you probably have to use Patreon. But I always find it a bit sad that people do fun stuff that is nice to share and then have it on Patreon. Again, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't know. Maybe this is just how the new furry economy works. I don't know. But it's all about the sharing in the end and getting nice response and getting appreciated by others and, and inspire others. And if you ha- hide it behind the Patreon wall, I think you're you're missing something. Maybe I'm just super old-fashioned. To all the, the <laughs> Patreon people, my apologies. <laughs> no,
1: you're not old-fashioned at all. So that's... That's kind of what we do here. We, you know, we just we're making content. David and I make all sorts of content: YouTube content, podcast content, and, and we throw
2: it out there to the world. But you guys do it because you like it. It gives you energy. It's fun to do. And that's the whole idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's it's of course really great to know that there are actually other furs that like what we do for whatever reason, and that actually makes me feel good too.
2: Yeah. It motivates you to do it better, to to do it more. And again, you need that motivation from others. Uh, I think you need some good feedback to keep on going. Cool. So kind of
1: to wrap up, is there any last you know thing that you would like to tell the furry community or at least the 10 listeners that we have <laughs> that you would like to share? And it's okay if you don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fine. That's fine. Cool. Well, thank you for coming onto our show. It, it's great to have furs and furry adjacent folks from all over the world come on our show. We're blessed to have a lot of people agree to come on our our little podcast. Yeah. yeah.
0: We were just talking about this yesterday. Like, why are all these... This is amazing. Why are these furs agreeing to be with us? You ask and they come on. It's great. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule. I know you're extremely
2: busy. Guys, it was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I had a lot of fun.
0: And thank you so much again, Easy Wolf. We'll talk to you next time. Bark. Bark.
2: You're very, you're very welcome. Bye-bye. And howls. <laughs>
1: all right well thanks a lot and uh, we will see everyone later wow that was a great interview
0: yeah, no, he he was a lot of fun to talk to. I think he had a lot of good things to say. He was fun and I learned a lot of things I did not know about some of his videos and some of his work, especially 366.
1: <laughs> especially 366. I'll tell you, while you guys were talking, I was researching a lot of that stuff. I couldn't find anything on 366. Well, I couldn't find his original one and I couldn't find anything on Bitter Lake. I might have to watch your video. You might have to borrow it from you. Well, shall we move on to our next segment? Yes, let's move
0: on to our next segment.
1: Bark, bark. Well, now do you know what time it is, Tabin? What time is it? Barely. (laughs) It is time for furries in the news. Furries in the news. Mm -hmm. All right. So in Furries in the News, again, I didn't find a whole lot this week. Just the week of September 2nd, so just a couple of weeks ago, there's a new furry social network out there. A new?
0: Another one? That's exciting.
1: Another one. It's called Furry Life Online.
0: Furry Life Online. I'll have to check this out.
1: Yeah, it's kind of similar to uh, Fur Affinity. It's got art and stories and forums, et cetera. But the one thing that I really like about them that I can't find on Fur Affinity, if there is one, please somebody let me know. But there's a calendar function. Hmm. So you can post events on this calendar for the entire world to see.
0: That's nice. That's very uh, useful. More ways that uh, furs
1: are bringing other furs together. In fact, I put our podcast on the calendar.
0: Oh, hey. (laughs) <laughs> See, you can just do that. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll have to go check that out.
1: And then the other thing, and I'm just going to throw this out there, but I don't know whether Joe Arpaio is a good spokesman for the Arizona Furry Con. What do you think? I think it was kind of a way to get him to talk about furries when he's such a curmudgeon. Curmudgeon. Curmudgeon, yes. Curmudgeon. I have no idea what it means. Think of an old, grumpy old man that says, "Get off my lawn." That's a curmudgeon. Uh, Curmudgeon. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. And now, events this week with Grovel. So, Grovel, what's coming up this week?
0: Thanks, barely. Thanks Taven. There are four events coming up this week, all of which will be virtual cons and free to attend. The first event will be Furry Takeover, September 25th through the 27th on Discord. Second one is called Fetch Northwest. This will be a DJ live stream on September 26th, 6pm to 1am Pacific Time. The third and fourth one take place on the same dates, September 26th through 27th. Sen Chi and Wild North Virtual Tales. And that's the Grovel Report for the week of September 20th through the 26th. Back to you, Barely and Tabin.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much, Grovel. That's always interesting to hear what's happening the coming week for our podcast. So Tabin, do you have a math thing or a story time for us this week?
0: Uh, I have a little math thing. It's in the same kind of vein as far as fixed point theorem and kind of fun applications in the real world about it. This is another one of those theorems. And so if you like these sorts of theorems, they're from a branch of math called topology.
1: Is there an apology for topology?
0: Just don't use your posi to apologize for... You just got to do it right, that's all. Right? So uh, this is called the borsuk Ulam
1: Theorem. Gesundheit. Wait a minute. I think I ordered that at the Chinese restaurant the other day. (laughs) Yeah. Did did it turn out good? Well, that was... Was it uh, Borsat Udon? Oh, Ulam. I ordered Udon. Sorry. Uh, Udon, Ulam. Okay, I got you.
0: Yeah. No, I I got it now. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes it takes this pup a little, little bit of time. But yeah, so Borsalk and Ulam. Usually I like to give a little history of, of this stuff, but I couldn't find their first names. They're, they're two different people, Mr. Borsalk and Mr. Ulam. I do know that the, the theorem was proved back in 1933. Now this theorem involves something, and, and it's, it's just an English word. It's not really, it's used in math too, but antipodal points. So do you know what antipodal points are, barely?
1: Haven't a clue.
0: So let me tell you. Antipodal means just opposite. So if two points are um, antipodal. They're just on opposite sides. So, like if you think of a basketball or the, or the Earth, the North and South Pole are antipodal. Same thing on a okay. basketball. Just take two points on the opposite side. Antipodal is just a fancy mathy word for opposite. Okay. So the Borsuk-Ulam theorem says that if you have a ball, a sphere, and if you have a continuous function on it, just means you're do- you're doing something with it continuously, moving it around, whatever. A continuous function on this sphere will always map some pair of antipodal points to the same point. Okay. Well, so these are, this is actually kind of same idea as the Brouwer fixed point theorem. What it's saying is if, if you were to take a basketball, take all the air out of a basketball, crumple it up, don't, don't tear it because then it's not continuous. But if you crumple it up and then flatten it out, then there are two points directly on top of each other, which were antipodal when, when they started. Okay. So that, that's kind of interesting and counterintuitive. You take a basketball, you got two points on opposite side of each other, and you do all this crazy crumpling it around, and in the end, there are two points that are directly above each other. That's kind of similar to, if you remember, the crumpling up the, the paper and the map and all that stuff with the Brouwer Fixed Point Theorem thing. I remember that, yes. So another application is that at every point in time, there must be two points on the Earth which both have exactly the same temperature and barometric pressure. Really? Huh. And then if you remember the the application of the fixed point theorem, that means that in addition to that, you also always have at least one cyclone on the earth. Lots of weather things going on with this math. I know. And who knew that math was weather? Who knew? Whether or whether it's cool or not, it's math. Yes. Yeah, like so, that. Anyway,
1: that's uh, my mathy thing for this week. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind, and hopefully, the flat earthers won't get mad at us. But right, 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 right. Do you have your joke book handy? <laughs>
0: Yes, I do have my joke book handy, or pausey, as the case may be.
1: Quick recap, Tabin bought a joke book. It's a really bad joke book. Yes. And he doesn't read the jokes ahead of time until we get on the pod, and then he reads the joke. Still, no one has responded to the Roman yeah, feat.
0: I'll tell them again, so that just in case any, any fur missed it, and then maybe they can chime in. And So, name an outstanding feat of the Romans, speaking Latin. Well, I still I, I don't, don't get so, it, I <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get it. So, so, let me say one more time, so you don't have to uh, rewind. Name an outstanding feat of the Romans. Speaking Latin. Yeah,
1: I don't know why that's so, a joke. Yeah, I, I don't get it. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so is there any some new jokes that you could throw our way? <laughs>
0: there are some new ones. Um, yeah, so I'll just go ahead and read the next page, and hopefully, we'll okay. uh, get these jokes. So, barely, what is green and very dangerous? A lot of things, but what? <laughs> well, in this case, it's a frog with a hand grenade.
1: Yes, that would be very dangerous, considering I don't know how he would pull the pin, but you know.
0: Uh, so a little more dangerous for the frog, maybe.
1: You heard about the escape of the aquatic mammals at the Portland Zoo today, right? Wow, no, I didn't. Tell me all about it, barely. It was otter chaos. Ah, oh, I bet.
0: Oh, I ought to go up there and see what it's like.
1: Yes, you should.
0: But do you know what happens to ducks that fly upside down? I don't know. They quack up. Uh,
1: oh, okay.
0: <laughs> These are getting really, like, like in the past, like the past pages and stuff, like they were actually okay. I, I laughed. That's good. But what is even happening right now?
1: I don't know. Do you know what you call the ghost of a chicken?
0: Wow. What do you call the ghost
1: of a chicken? A poultry geist. <laughs>
0: Yowzers. Okay. So there is this girl at the counter at an ice cream store. Like she said, I'd like a triple chocolate ice cream sundae with lots of nuts and whipped cream. The guy at the counter said with a cherry on top. The girl says, golly, no, I'm on a diet.
1: What? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the difference between a poorly dressed man on a bicycle and a nicely dressed man on a tricycle?
0: Hmm, I do not. Tell me.
1: It's just one tire. Oh,
0: that tires me out.
1: Uh-huh, yes. Give us one more, and then I've got one more, and then we'll we'll move on.
0: And then we'll continue silently judging each other. Yes. So Bill says, do you know how deep that river over there is? George says, It must be shallow, because it only goes up to that duck's stomach.
1: (laughs) That was cute. Okay, and finally, do you know what kind of a dog Dracula owns?
0: Hmm, I do not.
1: Well, of course, he would own a bloodhound.
0: I should have guessed.
1: You should have guessed. That brings us to our final segment. (sighs) They're so happy to hear the final segment words. And the final segment is, of course, this or that. This or that. Ta-ta. I love the ta-ta at the end. Ta-ta. We're going to start off with DC or Marvel. Well, one is Marvelous and the other
0: lives in Washington. So they both have pretty good stuff out. I think I'm going to go with Marvel, though. The, the recent Spider-Man I saw, I guess I'll just go Marvel at this point in time.
1: I prefer their movies over DC movies. I think they do a better job. Anyway, morning or evening?
0: Hmm. You know, I'd have to go evening because I'm not much of a morning pop.
1: So evening is your choice. Okay.
0: My evening's. Definitely my choice, yes.
1: That reminds me of another joke. And why not throw out another joke, right? Just why not throw it out? (laughs) Right. Why not? We should just throw it out. But anyway, I'm gonna say it anyway. There were these monks. You know what a monk is, right? I do know what a monk is.
0: It's not two-thirds of that animal that goes squeak like in the book from the other week. I it's not a monkey, is what I'm trying to say.
1: No, but that's what they use to unlock the doors, monk keys. So a joke within a joke. (laughs) There was these monks. And they took a vow of silence, and they only would chant when they would have their morning meal and their evening meal. And the head abbot is the person that's in charge, Mm -hmm. and they would sit down to their morning breakfast, and he would stand up and he would go, morning, and all the monks would go, morning, and then- In the evening, when they sat down for dinner, they would sit down and he would say, evening. And all the monks would say, evening. Well, there was this one monk and he was kind of new and he wanted to shake things up a little bit. So you know what he did? In the morning breakfast, he sat there and when the head abbot said, morning, and then the one that was trying to make the trouble came on and said, evening, Now, the abbot was not happy with this, and he looked around and tried to figure out what's going on. So he chanted, someone chanted evening.
0: Oh, my (laughs) cow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just had to tell that joke because, you know, that's just the way it is. Now that I bored everybody with a really bad pun joke and a bad joke about a song that some people don't even know, Taco Bell or Taco Time. Oh, Taco Bell. Definitely Taco Bell.
0: Actually, I might have to take that back. I mean, so I said Taco Bell so quickly because that's always my entire life been my all four and a half years of my life been the definite answer Taco Bell. But that was kind of a knee jerk reaction to say that because I have to think they're not on my favorite list these days because they took away gorditas and double decker tacos. And there was something else that I would always get, and they took it away. And these are things that I, I – my staple items. I mean, I usually have a few th- different items and um, varied around a little bit. But I would always get double-decker taco, a gordita, and, you know, something. So they're not on my most happy list. So – Maybe I'll have to change my mind to taco time, even though I haven't had taco time in a really
1: long time. I would have to say that I like things from both places, but I'm not the one that has to make a choice. You did. Our last and final one, a koala or a panda?
0: Oh, I'm gonna go panda. They're both cute things. Pandas, you know, the the red pandas are really cute and they do that thing where, like, they stand up when they see a rock because they're trying to scare it. And it's really cute when they do that. They scare, they get scared
1: by a rock.
0: I think how it goes is in order to, like, instill fear or something, you know, if they get scared or something, they'll um, stand up and put their paws up and try and look big and everything and menacing. But of course Hmm. they don't because they're the most adorable things. So they do that. And I've seen they get scared by like a big rock or something. And so they'll then stand up and do their little thing at the rock and they'll kind of wander around and kind of walk around and try and scare it. And it's really adorable when they do that because it's a rock. (laughs) okay and pandas are are pretty possum in general so i'll go like when they go roly roll have you ever seen them roll around it's really yes
1: i have seen that that's adorable so i am definitely gonna go panda and that brings us to the end of another successful podcast another
0: success
1: yay and stuff and I had a great time I hope our listeners had a great time I had a great time I wa- I've i been wagging this whole time be sure to reach out to us on Twitter Telegram email and if you know somebody in need because of the fires or the hurricanes or the earthquakes or the tornadoes or anything that's happening right now and you know a fur in need help them out have a great week everyone and every fur
0: and every fur uh, I'll be excited to talk at you next time bark bark
1: bark bark wag wag Fairly Furcasting is an Injured Nerves studio production and is found on all major podcast platforms or can be heard directly at fairlyfurcasting.com. All opinions expressed here are those of Tabin and Barely, and neither received any commercial compensation for their opinions. Information in the Gravel Report is compiled and reported by Gravel, and no commercial consideration is granted for the report. The Furcast is produced, recorded, and directed by me, Barely Normal, a.k.a. Mike Began, and is edited by myself and our associate editors, Rain Raccoon and Canes. This week's interview was edited by Rain Raccoon, Opening and closing theme music and the Gravel Report background was created for Injured Nerves Productions for the use on the podcast by our music associate, Reg Day, with Damian Tanuki. Some interstitial and background music by Shane Ivers through SilvermanSound.com. If you'd like to send us a message, you can do so via email at barelyfurcasting at gmail.com. Or on our Telegram chat at BFFT chat on Twitter or on our Facebook page or on the BarelyFurcasting.com web page. You can also help support the show through donations at Ko-Fi.com slash furcasting. Thanks for listening. We hope you come back and listen next week.